0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com businessgoldcard Business Gold
1: Think beyond sex. How do you teach men to do that when that's all they've been conditioned
0: to think? Well, here's how.
1: Welcome back everyone to the School of Greatness. Today's episode is special because it's focusing on the biggest red flags in dating that you should never ignore. And we've had so many incredible conversations with the top relationship experts and therapists in the world that I know will help you gain clarity on wherever you currently are in your love life. And in this episode, we discuss the biggest mistakes you're most likely making in your relationship with my friend and relationship expert, Matthew Hussey. Why is so important for both individuals' values to match with psychotherapist Esther Perel. How to understand the difference between love and lust with expert Devon Franklin. How to make sure you're not in the wrong relationship and how to begin a new relationship with Dr. Shafali, And how to communicate and understand your partner better in order to prevent arguments and a breakup with my man Stefan Speaks. And if you're inspired by this, make sure to share this with someone that you think would love hearing this as well. And if this is your first time here, quick reminder to follow and subscribe to the School of Greatness. And let us know the part of this episode you enjoyed the most by leaving us a review over on Apple Podcast with your thoughts and inspiration. And today's fan of the week is from Agnewix who said the universe always guides us to find the right path and mine is the school of greatness podcast words cannot describe how much this podcast helped me to finally find myself learn grow and become the best version i can be i'm so grateful for this show and all the guests their honesty their challenges and the inspirational stories so big thank you again for being the fan of the week and if you want a chance to be shouted out on the podcast as a fan of the week leave us a review at the end of this episode okay in just a moment we'll break down the the red flags in relationships that you should never ignore. In this section, Matthew Hussey breaks down the biggest reason why relationships can fall apart after you're in a relationship for a while and past the honeymoon phase. What's the biggest mistake people find today when trying to find their love or find someone that they, you know, their soulmate? Oh my God. What's the biggest mistake? Is it being yourself?
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's, i i i think there's a something of a sense of entitlement that most of us have uh or that most people have when they're going out to date where they somehow feel like they're just owed mm. the love of their life that it shouldn't be difficult that um that they don't have to do anything that it's enough that they are just them You know, it's the, you know, that there's, I don't know if you've ever seen Bridget Jones, but there's a, there's a line in Bridget Jones where, uh, forget his name, Colin Firth. I think it is. He's, he's looking at Bridget and he's, I think he says, I love exactly how you are. I love you. Like Mm -hmm. no changes, nothing. I, I love you exactly how you are. And it, sometimes we feel like we're owed that. And it kind of becomes an excuse again to not be lazy to grow yeah. not to you know i, I don't frankly I, it doesn't really matter what you think you're owed in love yeah
1: uh, no one cares i think it's the same thing with work and you it's know everything. so many people are entitled and they it, think they should everything. just get a job you yeah know?
3: And, and so the biggest criticism i get all the time which i'm happy with as a criticism of my advice uh-huh. is well why do you need to do all of this stuff why can't you just you know, go through life and, and you know, it, when the time is right, you'll know. Mm. Why, why do you have to do all of these techniques? I'm happy with that criticism. If, you, if, you, if that's what you think, you're not my audience. Because my audience are the same people that go to a business seminar, to make more money Mm -hmm. they're the same people that say you know what um if i want to start a business i might actually need to know what the hell i'm doing it's not enough to have confidence in life you have to have competence yeah you have to actually know what you're doing and and that's what a lot of people don't know in their love lives if you for example there's there's something i come i came to understand i I was i remember once having a breakup it was the most painful breakup i've ever had i was really really in uh, a bad way over it and a while later i spoke to this to this woman on the phone, and I had said to her on the, in a brave moment on the phone, I said, "Why did Why did you want to break up? Because, by the way, you talked to the the one you were dating. Yeah, the the one that had later on the phone. Later, like a year or two later, <clears throat> it was less raw. I was sure, feeling sure. a little and more. How
1: long was the relationship for? Uh,
3: a couple of years. Okay, wow. Well, right. And um, uh, and I was I was pretty caught up about it. Now, the funny thing was, uh, to make a long story short she had actually done something i didn't like and that i mm. thought was inappropriate and disrespectful and i remember going to her the next day and saying i think we need to break up during the relationship mm. she did this yeah yeah and uh <clears throat> she then said to me okay that was when I knew oh. she was breaking up with me. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, when you yeah, yeah. you think you're breaking up with them. No, she was, no, she she was, was already doing it. She was breaking up with me. Uh, and it was, what was so painful about it is that she was, she didn't mind. Uh, oh, I, I was, I thought she might get upset. I thought, no, she didn't wow. mind. And that was the most painful part about it and i she shouldn't even fake it you know most women would fake that they might (laughs) i
1: can't believe this
3: but they're really i know know, i know she looked like she was okay this is a good decision so i (laughs) so i i remember a a while later we were on the phone and we were we became friends today we're very good friends in fact and uh i had said to her on the phone um why did we break up i said what what was it for you that i wasn't doing And I braced myself for the answer. She said, do you really want to know? honest feedback. And I said, I literally thought to myself, wait, do I really want to know? And I said, I gritted my teeth and I went, yeah, I want to know. She said, "Um, you were boring. And it was so much worse than I thought it would be. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like not not just like, oh, well, you know, it was just, I was young and I was, you know, wanted to be free. No, you were boring. It was really cutting. And I, <laughs> and I I remember f- resisting the urge to bite back. And I you're said, I like, wasn't boring. Right, I was, exactly. Know. I said, no, you're t- shut up, idiot. Just, you <laughs> asked the question. So now yeah. listen. So I said, why was I boring? She said, you, she said, when I first met you, you were the most ambitious uh, person I'd ever met. And she said, I never met someone with such an ability to decide they want something and then get it. Mm. And she said, it was so sexy. She said, but as we went into our relationship, the more time went on, the more that was all you were. You were super ambitious. You knew how to get what you want, but you were so one dimensional. Mm. You know, it was all you did. Even in our free time, you were just, You were on the phone. You were on your laptop. You would talk about your business. You were always talking shop. There was never anything else you had to talk about. We didn't do anything spontaneous. We Mm. never went and had adventures. It was just all one track. And she said it it got boring. And I said, wow, she was right. She was right. There was nothing I could argue with. And I realized something in that moment. The thing that makes... One quality can make you really attractive. Right? But it won't keep someone. It can make you get the person. Right. It can make you sexy. It can make you uh, intriguing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mysterious. Right. But it can even for a time make someone worship or idolize you. Mm -hmm. One quality. But one quality will not hold someone. Because the reality was there was a flip side to ambition which would have made it eminently more attractive. And there are a few. Right? right if you pair ambition say with an ability to enjoy life mm. now that person is really sexy super sexy <laughs> you 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 combine ambition with a sense of spontaneity mm-hmm. for example adventure very very sexy yes ambition on its own is when you look at it from afar very very attractive you go women will say I want an ambitious man I yes. like that but when they get up close if it's only one side to a coin, it quickly becomes unattractive. Mm-hmm. The, uh, uh, someone I'm a big fan of, or unfortunately has passed, but Christopher Hitchens. Mm-hmm. He um, he once said about love that the the challenges in not allowing your strengths to negate themselves. Wow! And that's a very mm-hmm. powerful statement because my ambition was my greatest strength that also had the ability to be the thing that crippled me uh, because what happens is when you get good at something and you get validation from it, you it, keep doing it and get better right. at it. Yeah. And it becomes, if you're not careful, a muscle that you, that you train to the point of mutation. Mm-hmm. And then every other part of you is, is, is not working is, it has atrophied. Yeah. So now uh, you have a complete imbalance. Uh, it's like, a you know, I remember working out at the gym once and my trainer. I was, I was, uh doing pull-ups and was trying to work out my back my back was fine i could keep going and then all of a sudden my my forearms gave up mm. while i was trying to pull myself up and i said this is so annoying we're trying to work my back but my fore and my back's fine but my forearms have given up right he said you're only as strong as your weakest link mm. if you if your forearms aren't aren't there you're not going to be able to train your back as well as you could yeah so so Here's the, the the point about this, which I find very interesting about dating. To your point of what's the biggest mistake people make? Apart from, of course, the entitlement, it's over-reliance on a key strength that they have come to uh, rely on as their source of validation, mm-hmm. success, uh, confidence. Right. Over-reliance on that. I had come to over-rely on essentially... Being ahead of the curve for my age, yeah, that was like the thing that I was always based my confidence on. Was I am way ahead of the curve for yeah. people my age. My business is going great. Correct. The, the, yes. the people I grew up the with in my, in my age group are not where I am. Just are still living at home. And, you know, but whatever, guess yeah. what? That alone is boring. Yeah, it's boring, and it doesn't make an interesting, rounded, sexy person. The um, but when you combine it with something else, it becomes what I call unique pairing Mm. it's a bit like if i if i wanted to really get a woman attracted tonight not me but like send a guy out to get a woman attracted i could literally if if he went in and he was a little cocky and teasing but in the right way Mm -hmm. not an arrogant obnoxious but just he knew how he knew how to play with her and then a couple of hours in later you know maybe it's getting late he comes out of the restroom and after being teasing and playful and silly He says, you know what? It's getting late. Um, I called you a car. Um, I don't want you walking outside. And he says, I have to go as well. I have to get up early. He takes her outside. Um, He gives her a little kiss. He says, all jokes aside, I've had the best night with you tonight. I'll call you later this week. Mm -hmm. Puts her in the car. Car drives away. That woman will be going, oh, crap. (laughs) I like this guy. Now, the reason wasn't because he was a gentleman and it wasn't because he was cocky and teasing it was because he was both both of them yeah it's the and if he does just one thing it's not interesting enough because you can replace the cocky guy like that yes women know that yes they can go out tonight and meet a cocky guy in hollywood any night of the week they can go out the next they don't even have to go out the next night they can turn to their (laughs) left and meet another one straight away right by the way, they, even though people complain about chivalry is dead, you can go out and meet a gentleman. You lots can go out generalize. and meet lots of nice guys. But that's all they are. Right. Incredibly boring. Women will never... Too they, nice. They don't hold a woman. Yes. Right? So, but now you find like what mm. seems to be a good man, but with an edge. That's, that's interesting. a unique pairing. Yes. And that's someone that becomes not an attraction, but an addiction. Oh, uh, and, like and there's a And there's a big, big difference. So... I, th- I believe that we will actually I believe these pairings already exist within us but we've overtrained certain muscles mm-hmm. we've overtrained certain qualities that we've gotten used to as habit yeah uh, For some people it's being funny
0: sure. uh, For it's other people do, it's or...
3: being intellectual and they always they're the person that knows everything about everything they've read every book they can sure. always quote so and so for others it's uh, uh, being seductive. That's the thing they got really good at. So they're really good at, you know, getting someone into bed or, or uh, getting someone sexually attracted, but they're never the person you want to eat pizza with the next day. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so it's like it, it it's finding those combinations that make you go, mm. Oh my god, the person I was with last night, they were this and they were this. It's the and. The and is where it's <laughs> I wonder it's what at. else they could do exactly. And you and by the way, that's what makes it so hard. It, I, I say this to everybody. If you wanna know why you found it so hard to get over a certain ex look for the unique pairing because they had multiple things there was there was some unique pairing that made you feel like they were difficult to replace oh and and that's what scares us the more unique pairings you have the more you become a rare bird in the dating marketplace right right and and when you become rare people get really terrified of of losing you and that's always the case whenever you think of someone you've lost and you think like your heart aches for having lost them
1: for like months and
3: months yeah you it's because you go it's not because you go they were good in bed it's because you go they were good in bed and they made me laugh like uh, like I never and find that nice to right? my and I took and them home and she was a sweetheart to my like there's, yeah. there's those moments where you go god I can't find this person again and that terrifies mm, you yeah. so again to be more positive about it be the person that has the unique pairings mm-hmm. that other people are terrified of losing yeah you know I like this because I feel like well, I don't feel
1: like, but the statistics show that the divorce rate is up higher than ever right now, right? Mm. Isn't it something like 50%? I don't know if you, you hear, know the numbers. I hear these, no, I hear, I, numbers. I, I
3: hear 50% banded around. How yes. accurate it is, I don't Who know. Knows. But it seems like people are getting married multiple times mm. uh, and they're
1: easy to get out of relationships. They're, you know, and I'll speak for myself, you know, I have a lot of fears about long-term commitment. Mm. You know, most of my relationships are a year, um, maybe longer but usually about a year and then I'm like either bored or I get mm-hmm. scared because I have my own walls and I still get to grow and learn. For sure. Um, <clears throat> I'm curious, why do you think so many people bail in relationships and why do you think so many people are getting divorced more than
3: ever now? Oh, man, that's a big question. I, um, well, there are, I think there are a number of things. I can have a stab at, uh, at this. <laughs> I... I think firstly, there is less of a stigma now than there has ever been about divorce it's okay now right right not you know and it is certainly there are parts of the world where it's not and there are certain religions and cultures where it's not but but certainly less than ever sure let's speak in america at least right yeah, yeah. there's less of a stigma <clears throat> yeah a, a, about divorce we don't feel like complete failures in the same way that we might once have or we wouldn't have there would have been or a time a where we would have been outcast from society yes. for it so there's that um I think there's also a greater sense of entitlement these days where people feel like they're owed and, you know, marriage is you've met the right person, so it's supposed to all feel great. And when it doesn't feel great, and when it's not all working, there must be something wrong with this person. Not with me, not with the amount of effort I'm investing into this relationship. There must be something wrong with this person. Ah, it turns out they're not the one after all. Mm. I thought they were, but they're not. The search continues. So wow. so it, the entitlement has people believing that it, it shouldn't be effort and, and that's a very dangerous way to think of relationships. Yeah. It's very if you really want to see who someone is in their relationship, um, talk to them about sex and, and passion and, and desire in their long-term relationship and you'll get some very heated answers because some people will will uh, will say it's absolutely paramount we you know you have to maintain that passion you have to find new ways to excite each other we're, me and my partner we're always searching mm. we're always exploring each other we're always trying to figure out like what's going to turn you on tomorrow what's the, like mm. how how do i how do i do something that's that, that you didn't predict or how do i get you to know me a little less so that you get desire again mm-hmm. you know whatever it is other people and i've had hosts on tv Get very, very uptight and 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 upset over this issue, and it's usually they're overplaying their hand mm. when they do. They'll say, "Well, Matt, it's different when you're in a marriage, when you're when you have kids, <laughs> when you're in those situations, it's different, right? You you don't you you can't just think of it like mm. that. You don't, d- Matt. Think other things become more important, and and I always know who they are in their relationship when those things happen because. People I think don't go into relationships with a healthy view of what is required over the long term. And what is required? Uh, well, there's a, there's a, there's a woman who is a, a great authority on this called Esther Perel. And she talks about the difference between love and desire. And I'm a big fan of her work. And I think she articulates it very, very well that in relationships, you have to have both love and desire. Love isn't, enough love is the the thing that makes me want to get close to you when i when i when i feel things for you i want mm-hmm. to know your mind i want to know everything there is to know about sure. you i want to know what you're thinking i want to know what you're doing tonight i want to know who your friends are i want to become friends with them i want to get close yeah. to your mom what like yeah, yeah. It's all these things that's love the desire to almost become merged mm-hmm. but desire exists in the space between two people mm-hmm. So you feel desire when there's a void and when there's some mystery and when you're still getting to know someone. So desire, ironically, is the thing that ends up creating love because desire is like, I want to get close to you because I don't have you. And then when I get close, we feel feelings of love, but not desire now.
1: In this section, Esther Perel shares why it's so crucial for values with your partner to match and what happens when they don't match up. How many values in common do you need to have with your partner, life partner, because?
4: The important ones. It's not how many, but there are a few of them that are really that are really like important. The, which ones
1: would you say? That I'll make be, or break based on your experience?
4: I think, I'm not gonna say them in order of importance, yeah, yeah. but one of them that really matters is your relationship to others.
1: Included, but you don't take yada yada in life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you want the best, you have to act quickly, or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game
4: that values relationships, that sees the presence of others in your life as central. And you are with somebody who does not want community or does not know how I mean i'm talking not about what they would like to learn through you but their value is you do things alone you live alone mm. you rely on yourself you, you know you don't bring people over to the house i have a couple i just spoke with yesterday you know and he loves to have people over and she just Nobody should come ever to the house. She
1: wants her space. Her space,
4: the whole thing. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a tough one. Uh It's not just about the house. It's his whole life is about being with people. And her whole life is about not being with people necessarily. Mm. That's not how she experiences it. Now the question is, is she drawn to more of what he has to offer? And is he drawn to more of what she... If these are totally... then, Then, okay, it's different values come together and they... They mix and match. But if you have these two separations like that. So that's one. One of the beautiful questions I ask in Howie's work is, um, were you raised for autonomy or were you raised for loyalty? Were you raised for self-reliance or were you raised for interdependence? Mm. Which one would you say?
1: For me, was self-reliance mean what?
4: You have... Nobody will ever help you as well as you can help yourself. You only mm. have yourself to count on. Don't trust people. You're on your own, buddy.
1: Or raised for loyalty. Interdependence,
4: loyalty. Family. You're never alone. There's mm. people around you. You owe others. Others are there for you. Mm. Relationships is what makes you.
1: I think I was Both. Based on, like, circumstances. Correct. Like the lesson, circumstances yeah.
4: made you reliable because yeah. you were alone uh-huh. uh, with mom, yeah. but the messaging was, you have me.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. So I think both.
4: I think okay. that question is a fundamentally wow. interesting question. Okay. That people can ask themselves when they partner in business and in love.
1: Raise for self-reliance or, or loyalty? Yeah. Okay.
4: Interdependence. Are you part? Do you see yourself as connected to others and it's your connections that give you a sense of anchoring, meaning, relevance, mm, importance, all of that? Or okay. do you see yourself as fundamentally on your own? Um, I gotcha. think travel, curiosity, you often will have a complementarity between one person who is curious and eager to discover and goes on, you know, and yeah. then another person. Your question who about
1: wants to be alone or, or doesn't want to travel wants
4: to doesn't stay home. want, to, but it's also likes comfort, likes repetition, mm-hmm. likes the familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the religious values. Mm-hmm. If you have a person who who you know those those matter a great deal. Um, children. Do you want family or do you not want family? If you you know if you want a family then make sure that you find someone who wants a family. What, do you, right. what are you
1: gonna, what are you going to yeah. do?
4: Try to convince some, you know. Now, I don't think you have to have the same values on everything. I think you have to have a similar v- outlook on life, which is a vision. Like mm. exactly the same as when you a vision. Do you you know? Do you want to own a home Mm -hmm. do you think that economic achievement is important do you want to live in an extended family you think that living intergenerationally really is important and you have somebody else who says you know i don't want your parents over (laughs) you know do you do you want to live in more than one place Mm -hmm. you know i think these are essential you know money
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
4: Feelings or emotions, religious beliefs, attitude toward life. It's not a specific value about something. A a value is a cluster of things. It's a cluster of importance, of systems of meanings. That's a value.
1: And and you may not find someone with... Everything is the same, but someone with a similar mindset, as you're saying. Overall I met feeling. a husband
4: of mine, with whom I am for more than three decades, yeah. who had never left the U.S. when I met him. Really? I never knew such a person existed. <laughs> Coming from Europe, that was un, 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 unheard he of lived for in us. Europe? No, he lived in the states. Oh, he lived in the states. He was American. Yeah. I came from Europe. In Europe, you travel everywhere, everywhere yeah. all the time, even if you have nothing. Plus, you work train, one play. month, you get the money, and then you go to the next country, which is two hours away. Yeah. I he so never I traveled outside. He of the had US. never been outside of the U.S. Yeah, he will always tell me, "Been to the Virgin Islands." Okay, but you know, <laughs> for the rest, and I thought, oh my God, how does one, you know, who is such a person? But I knew it was because of the circumstances of his life and that if he could, he would. And Mm -hmm. he was intensely curious. Mm. If you just said, oh, he's never traveled, then you misinterpret. You don't want to just look at the manifest thing Mm. of, you know, you want to say, and behind this, is there someone who would actually like that, who just hasn't had the opportunity and is curious and just says, let's go. So don't get fooled just by what you see. Find out what is the belief behind it, the aspiration, the longing, the interest, and then you get a sense of what is the value.
1: Do you think it's, uh, I'm gonna go back to expectation. Do you feel like we should lower, or should diversify expectations, or what did you say the word was? Calibrate. Calibrate expectations, or should we be finding someone that can reach that expectation? That we want. No, I think it's, you think need, it's just impossible.
4: I think you, you need to calibrate.
1: Calibrate. You, Always calibrate too. You right?
4: calibrate. You constantly yeah. will be disappointed. Do you know a single relationship where you haven't been disappointed? No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, disappointment is, which can lead to suffering yeah. is part of a relationship. The minute you have a relationship, you have an expectation. That expectation means that you want something love, closeness, intimacy, partnership, you know, business Mm -hmm. affiliation, you name it, creates dependence. The moment you have an attachment, you have dependence. That dependence means that you have power, or I have power. If I expect something from you, I confer power on you. Mm. You have power over me, I have power over you. By definition, there will be moments when that power doesn't go in the direction that I want.
1: And I'll be disappointed.
4: I'll be disappointed. Is there a single child that didn't have a disappointment from their parents? No. It doesn't exist. Right. This This idyllic thing you're talking about, it doesn't <laughs> exist. The next thing is, what do you do with that disappointment? Hey, can I come tell you? I'm really disappointed. You let me down. I thought we were in this together. I trusted you. And you say, I see your point. Or do you say, what the hell are you talking about? You're just inventing this. You're delusional. None Mm -hmm. of the, you know, and everything in between. That's how you do a relationship. It's really based on the repair. It's not based on the.
1: (laughs) It's how we heal the disappointment. (laughs) Yes.
4: It's how you repair all these breaches moment by moment. You come back, you know, and the repair is not, oh, I am so sorry. The repair may sometimes be, hey, do you want a glass of water? Wow. Or, hey, did you see this article in the newspaper? John Gottman has this very interesting thing about that. He says the repair is not that you come and you do a mea culpa. It's that you do what he calls bids for connection. You show the other that they still matter. I brought mm-hmm. a newspaper in. At a time when we still had newspapers, right, that was right, one of his right, right. examples. You know, I brought the paper in. Like, I think of you. I'm pissed at you. You just annoyed me. We just had a spat. But, but you still, still care about you. I still care. I still you're still you. in my life. I yeah. still
1: respect you. So it's how we repair disappointment on a daily or weekly or monthly basis. Minutes sometimes. Is, the, is the, the success of the relationship.
4: And that means also how you come and you say you take responsibility. Yes. I think, I actually think that taking responsibility is the ultimate freedom. Really? I messed up. I shouldn't have done this. You know, can I do that? (laughs) You know, it really is being accountable. Mm
1: -hmm. What if you're, instead of blaming the other? What if, what if it actually in that moment wasn't your fault? Doesn't matter. It It wasn't, you
4: don't have to agree with anything. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to. It wasn't my intention. Yeah. It's so, you know, we are going to sleep a lot. But it's about just saying it. And for that, you have to, it's about saying it. And for that, you have to be able to see that you're a flawed person Mm -hmm. who can be accountable without that becoming a major source of shame and I'm terrible. It's a different thing between saying I messed up and I messed up.
1: I like this distinction. How do we, in our mind, because I think in the past, relationships, when I messed up in a small term, Mm-hmm. Right, like a disappointment, a small mm-hmm. disappointment. Feeling, saying like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. or saying, taking responsibility, or saying, you know it that was my fault, mm-hmm. was man. like a humiliation. Well, it was more like, look at when I'm like, well, why shall all, I? No, it's more like, here's all the actions I'm doing right. Right. Today I've done this, mm-hmm. which was an expectation, and I've done that, and I took the trash out, or whatever. I'm just, and I, you know, did something kind for you, and I wrote a note, and I did this, and I took us to dinner. And, I did all these things well today, but I messed up on this one thing. Mm -hmm. So for me, I used to say to myself like, gosh, but can't you see the whole picture of like all the good things I'm doing? Why do I need to be an hour conversation about like one small thing? That's what I used to feel like. And do you feel like we should just be saying, you know what, take responsibility anyways for those moments, even if you're doing lots of good things. Uh You know what I mean? Yes, but I'm not a perfect human being, you know, it's like, I might slip.
4: It, the story is told by you. Yes. The other person is the one that needs to, t- to tell you about all the good things that you've done. Uh-huh. So it, it, you felt, I do all of this. I do one thing wrong and now I have to go into the dark pit. Yes. You know, but that's because you had a partner who did not enough tell you about all the good things you right. did. So this is about me. If you are in a relationship, you need that other person to acknowledge all of the positive stuff so that when you have to say something about the moment that you messed up, you don't feel like, you know, this is an endless chore.
1: Well, I think, yeah, exactly. Or I think it's more like, okay, if we're going to acknowledge one thing that I didn't do, at least acknowledge something of the That's thing right. I did do, right?
4: That It's not at least. It's
1: a must. It's a must. It's, well, it's a not, must. It's not bad if I I shouldn't be needing that or I shouldn't be... You should need it. I should need it. You right? should need it. Yeah. You totally should need it. Gotcha. But Don't only acknowledge the bad. Also acknowledge the good. Not reason.
4: also. It's, it's, it's a must. It's oh, a mandate. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens sometimes in distressed relationships, because yeah. you were in a distressed relationship yeah, yeah. at that moment. Yes. And this is true. You can directly take this into the workplace. In a distressed relationship, the tendency is to highlight the negative and disregard the positive. The positive is just a given. The negative will make a big deal out of it. So the one thing you didn't do becomes the whole conversation. And then what does that person do? Of course that person says, but you disregard all the other stuff. And rightly so, because it has been disregarded. Mm. In a distressed relationship, the positive, you know if we get there on time, it's because there was no traffic. And if we get there late, it's because of you. The good is chance, the bad is attributed to you. Or in a different version of that is what we call negative attribution error. If I am in a bad mood, it's because I had a bad day. But if you're in a bad mood, it's because you're a nasty person who is always so cantankerous. Mine is circumstantial, yours is characterological. So Mm. when you'd say, I was in a relationship in which when I did one thing bad, it was so overblown and I felt like everything else was being disregarded. That's a sign of a distressed relationship mm. in and of itself.
1: Interesting. Where the is, fact
4: that okay. you, because in a normal relationship, somebody else says, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Then you finally don't do something. and says, oh, I really messed up there. I forgot. Sorry. Right. And It's not such a big deal okay. because you are seen for the whole person. Right. If you have to make a speech about you should see the whole person. You're not in a good relationship.
1: Ah, oh, there you go. Okay. Or
4: you're not in the dynamic in your relationship not is working. not a good one. Yeah. No, that's okay. a, that that in itself is a sign of a bad dynamic. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. You shouldn't okay. have to say this. So I wasn't crazy. Okay, gotcha. No. Okay, gotcha.
4: No. <laughs> so and me. the interesting thing about this is how much it applies at home, mm. and the same thing happens at
2: work.
1: In this section, we have Devon Franklin, who's breaking down the difference between love and lust in a world where dating has become more complicated than ever and how it's crucial that discipline is developed for a committed relationship. I feel like a lot of people are stressed out more than ever today of first finding a partner dating is just stressful for people. Then when you're in a relationship. Okay, what about marriage? And then mm-hmm. when you're married, how do you stay happily married? <laughs> right. Then when you get divorced, you say, well, I'm a failure. Right. For the last 10, 20 years I've been a failure. This mm-hmm. was all for nothing. What's wrong with me? And I have to repeat the cycle. How sure. do I find the right person? Yeah. And I think it's stressful because there's so many options in today's world. With social media, there's so many options. Everything looks yummy. Everything looks tasty. Yep. Everything looks exciting yep. and fresh and new mm-hmm. and interesting so this is what i loved about this you've got these questions on the back i just want to read some of them okay um some are for women and some are for men and i think i want to talk about men first because you say these questions men have you ever asked yourself um, why does one woman not seem to be enough why does one woman not seem mm-hmm. to be enough why can't i ever be satisfied yeah. and will i ever find peace these last three questions i feel like resonates with a lot of men. Yes. And I've asked myself those questions
0: <laughs> <laughs> in, previous, in,
1: previous in previous relationships, yeah. and and also being single at different times. And I'm curious, uh, you know, why does it seem like a struggle for so many men to, to be okay with one relationship?
0: Yeah, um, you know, I mean, listen, this is really- Especially the, the, today. The, totally. It's I like, mean, today is, uh, like you said, it makes it even harder because, really because of just the um, popularity of social media. I mean, honestly, I mean, I would say that that's what's kind of amplified the challenge. The challenge has always been there, but I think with social media, I mean, it really takes that challenge to another level um, for any man. And so one of the reasons why I wrote the book is to help articulate and hopefully answer some of these questions. And so why I believe that it's really hard for one man to be comfortable sometimes with just one woman, Mm -hmm. it comes down to me to what the book is really about, which is love, you know? and, And I believe that love is selfless, you know, love is sacrificial. And it's not, it's not just love of self, it's love of the woman in our life, love of family, love of our calling, love of our destiny. So as men, we're never really taught to feed or cultivate love. What are we taught to feed or cultivate? Lust. Sex. Yeah. So, so to me, the two things that war within a man are love and lust. Uh, and I, I define lust as a selfish impulse for personal, professional, financial, or sexual fulfillment by any means necessary, even if those means are detrimental. We live in a culture that almost feeds on the lust in men and, and also encourages us as men to feed on that. So what does that look like? With in, the media promoting just half naked oh, oh, women everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. Sex everywhere. And, and it's okay, As, as boy, boys will be boys, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to date, you know, one, don't even worry about one, have multiple. That's what we're taught as men growing up, that the more the better. So in a dating sense, what happens is if our appetite grows to such a place where we're not feeding the love, we're feeding the lust. What is lust? Lust is selfish. It wants what it wants, whenever it wants, it, however it wants it. So as men, especially as single men, when you're in a situation where that's what you feed constantly, that's what's going to be the strongest. And so when it comes to a world where things are not on your terms, that almost feels like a foreign mm, experience. right? Because you've cultivated an appetite where the more women, the better. And guess what? If this woman doesn't suit my, what I want, I just get rid of her. I move on to the next. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is as men, we, we sometimes consciously and subconsciously allow that lust to run and potentially ruin our life. Yeah. And so when a man decides, you know what, I wanna, uh, you know, I wanna get married, I wanna get serious, I wanna get committed, saying I do is not a magic wand. So if you go from having no discipline in your dating life, <laughs> no discipline in your sex life, You've had as much as you could possibly stomach. You've had as many women as you could possibly have. And then you meet the one that really captures your heart. She taps into the love inside. But prior to her, and even sometimes with her, you have not practiced discipline as a man. When you say, I do, there's nothing magical that happens on the other side of it. So if you have an appetite and you have no discipline, marriage doesn't just automatically give discipline. So why does it become hard for men to just commit to one because they never had much practice with it? Mm-hmm. And I believe that you know if we date better, uh, we marry better. If we marry better, we family better. If we family better, we parent better. If we parent better, we community better, right? So it all goes back wow. to how we date. And if there's no discipline there as a man, we're setting ourselves up for a massive challenge. It doesn't mean we cannot be successful, we can. But sometimes as a man, we think why is one not enough because we've been conditioned to more. And so the idea of just one becomes foreign.
1: Drop the mic. It's just, <laughs> just ending it right here. It's it right here. So, how do you know what's the right way to date someone? Let me ask this question first. When, when you're in a relationship yeah. <clears throat> and you say, you know what, I'm gonna be disciplined, I'm gonna work hard at this, even when you know it's not the right fit, you've put in time, you know, six months, a year, two years, and you're like, you know what, I'm just gonna keep going and make it better. I'm gonna try my best to, to cultivate the love but for some reason that relationship, you know deep down, isn't the one. Mm -hmm. And you say goodbye to that relationship, is that you just saying, well, on to the next, there's another option out there. Mm -hmm. How do you know when it is the right
0: one? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good question. I think a couple things. One, when you're in a situation, uh, the one premise of the book as it relates to love is really we gotta start telling the truth.
1: off your next 12 pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20 Leaf. That's promo code 20pureleaf for 20% off. Mm.
0: And a lot of times, especially in a relationship sense, it becomes a place where we tell the least <clears throat> truth. You hide the truth. You hide the truth. Because you don't want to hurt someone. You don't want to hurt someone. You may have feelings or thoughts. <clears throat> you may have things. That, and also, you sometimes in a relationship, you can be afraid. If I tell the, this person the truth, it doesn't even mean that the truth that I'm not into them. It could be like, I'm really into you. Mm. Or it could be like, here's some things I'm thinking about. The question sometimes is where the fear comes in is judgment. If I tell this person my truth, will they judge me? Will they still like me? Will they still love me? Will they still you know be there for me? Yeah. And so a lot of times, whether you're a man or a woman in a relationship, you bring that fear into it. And so as a result, sometimes that fear works against being truthful. Yeah. So a lot of times... Uh, in a relationship, you're more truthful with people outside the relationship than you are with the person in the relationship. Telling other people outside, (laughs) everything is happening. Everything is, you know, and you're not telling your partner. And this is why as men and women, we've got to start communicating with one another instead of at one another. And so I really wanted to write this book to help foster more truth. So that the point you're bringing up, if you're in a situation where you're with somebody and you're not sure it's the right fit, here is the number one way to begin to identify if it is operating in lust or if you're operating in love, it's peace. You know, our peace. You feel peace. That's right. Our peace is the strongest barometer. It's our compass. It it tells us we're going in the right direction. We're going with the right person in the right direction. Or you know what? I'm going in the right direction, but something about doesn't feel like this is the person that's supposed to go with me. Mm. Right? It's really about peace. That's where I, I, and everyone has the opportunity to define what that means for them. But to me, that's a great way to identify is this the right person I'm dealing with. So then let's just say, let's say you don't have peace. The truth is, I need to tell that person as soon as possible. Here's what's here's what I'm really going through. Here's why, especially as a man. As soon, don't don't wait. Three don't months, wait six months. Why? Because yeah. here's what happens. As a man, the moment you start to know, mm, this ain't it. I don't. I don't mm, this ain't it. Here's what happens. The more you do not tell her the truth about how you're feeling, either she's going to cry now, she's going to cry later, and when she cries later, she's you've inflicted more pain. I believe as a man. We, we're gonna be one of two men, men that heal pain or inflict pain. Wow! And that truth, as hard as it may be, and as much as she may not wanna hear it, it's better for her to hear it early on, before she can have more emotional investment, than to hear it later, and you knew six months ago you were yeah, out yeah. of there. Yeah. Part of telling the truth is to say, listen, I love you, I, when I operate in love, I put someone else's needs over my needs. I'm thinking about someone else's thoughts, even sometimes before my thoughts, mm. someone else's well-being. So in a dating sense, as a man, you're like, hey, I need you to know what I'm really feeling here, um, so that we can just have an honest conversation. Like, I don't want to feel this way. I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but you know, some I don't know if this is just the right fit and I don't you know, and 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 do your best to articulate that. It's better to put it all out on the table. Yeah. Then there you go, six months later, seven months later, something happens and then we and then sometimes I've been there when I was single. Mm-hmm. You wait for something to happen, then to use that as an excuse. Yeah, of course. Yeah, to say, oh, well, it's because this happened. Yeah, well, no, yeah. that's not because of that. Because if there was really love and there was a long term plan there, you could work through that, right? Yeah. But too often, I feel like as men, we hold on to what we think. And I think women do that too, because they're afraid. So I think when you go into this idea of like, okay, well, how do you date in love? How do you date in mastery? It doesn't mean you can't explore. It doesn't mean you can't find the right fit. This is all about a journey. Mm-hmm. So, love, when you're trying to find the compatibility, you're, you're searching, right? Mm-hmm. We're all, we all find that journey. However, It's dating with more intent. It's dating with more intent. So what does that look like? It looks like, you know, and again, this is just what I believe will help us as men, especially in a dating sense, um, think beyond sex. Mm -hmm. Think beyond sex. How do you teach men to do that when that's all they've been conditioned to think? Well, here's how. Because again, (laughs) instead of looking at that woman as an object for your pleasure, Mm -hmm. look at her as an individual. Look at her as someone's sister, someone's Mm -hmm. mother, someone's daughter, someone's friend, humanize her in your mind. It doesn't mean, listen, if you, you know, choose not to wait until marriage and have sex with that person, that's that's your business. But so often men look at women first as a sexual object, not as an individual. And as a result, when a woman most of the time says, hey, you know what, I don't want to have sex, you know, or I want to wait or whatever, a lot of men say, all right, well, I'm moving on to the next. If a woman does not want to have sex or share her body with you because she does not trust you, she does not know you, she does not love you, that's a sign of a great woman, mm. not a woman that should be discarded.
1: Wow.
0: And so as a man, when you're single and you're discarding women because they don't wanna share their body, that's a warning sign to me. Hey. About you as a That's man. right, what's yeah. going on with you, bro? <laughs> Why are you on such a path for personal, selfish, lustful fulfillment that you are discarding potential women that could help make the difference in a positive way in your life? Wow. So for any man, it's about, hey, let me look in the mirror for a minute and just stop. Why? Because look at what's going on in the world. There's so much news about, you know, the challenges that men are facing. And why are so many men facing all these challenges? Because I believe most men have given themselves over to lust. Mm. They've given themselves over to this selfish fulfillment where they want what they want, whenever they want it, however they want it. And as a result, they become the sum total of what that lust makes them. So as a man, no man can turn a blind eye towards what's going on with men in the world. So if, if anything, allow what we're seeing in the world to then be a motivator for every individual yeah, man. Yeah. Who do I want to be? Am, am I inadvertently living in a way where I may meet the same fate of some of the some of some of the same men that I'm seeing in the wow. world? Right, because it's not like oh, point the finger. Oh, look at them. Oh, I would never become that. Wait a minute. The moment any of us as men say oh, I would never,
1: you might <laughs>
0: set, set, the, set the watch beard, yeah. right because. All of us have the same struggle. All of us struggle between love and lust. And the the issue is getting control, Mm. getting discipline, getting mastery to the degree where I don't believe we can ever eradicate lust. I don't Mm. believe that. Mm. And that's a truth most women don't want to hear, right? But I believe that is the truth. Lust is in every man, no matter who that man is, no matter matter how faithful you are. No matter how faithful, it's there. It's not even a reflection of the woman in his life at all. However, as men, when we learn to get control of it, When we learn to put love in control of lust, that's when we position ourselves to not allow that lust to destroy us.
1: Couple of things I wanna ask from this. Yeah. Um, You are a successful man in Hollywood. You've been married for how long now?
0: Seven years, almost. Seven
1: years. Two part question. The first part is, do you know any successful men in Hollywood who are, not married and who have multiple partners, do you see any of them that are successful in their career but also have that inner peace that you talked about a few minutes ago?
0: I don't see many successful men that, uh, that would live, are living according to what you, how you just outlined that, are, uh, that have the peace.
1: They might have the fun. Yeah, they have, they have the, the fun, they have the money, the all position, the girls.
0: all of that, but I would not say that the men that uh, fit the description that I've been yeah. privy have that peace. Where there's just a sense of of like, okay, you know what? I'm cool. I'm I'm competent. I'm here. This is what it is. A lot of times, and I believe that if any man is really honest with themselves, I don't believe the more women you have, the more peace you you get. Right. I think it actually more disrupts. chaos. More chaos. Think about it. You know, it's like it's a man at at the end of our life when you think about how much time you spend, mm-hmm. you know, with with women chasing women, spending money on all those things. You got to ask yourself, what what do we have to show for it? Yeah. You know, and so for me, prior to getting married, I had asked the same question: What do I have to show for all this? And I wasn't like when I uh, Megan and I started dating that I was like all of a sudden ready to get married. I wasn't, but what I did was a friend of mine encouraged me: Don't be afraid. Don't allow your fear to mess this up. Afraid of what? Commitment, Commitment. marriage, Commitment, marriage, just all of it. Committed. The unknown.
1: Because you, know, so you was, were dating other girls before then, yeah, you were yeah. having fun. You were, you know, yeah.
0: yeah. But I was dating with intention. You know, I was gotcha. dating, saying, "Hey, yo, here's where I am in life. Here's what I'm, I'm looking to do." So that there was no uh, lack of clarity with gotcha. anyone that was dating me, where I was. You know, and I talk about this in the book. It's so important, uh, I t- I'll talk about it for the, the the male side and the female side. For men, it's important because what happens is lust makes us a part-time manipulator, in a single sense. Mm. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that you're dating multiple women. Mo- those women don't really know that there's as many other women as there are. And they don't even know that you're not as serious as you seem to be when you're with them.
1: Because your intention is for sexual desire. Sexual, sexual desire,
0: aids. companionship in that moment, whatever your pleasure not for is. not long that term. It, there's, there's no long term. And, and at the same time, there's no regard for their real feelings. It's like, this is a woman that I may date on Tuesday. Here's someone I may date on Thursday. Here's, here's one may, a woman I may date on Saturday night. And none of them really know the other one exists. So that's what I mean about not dating with intention. So when you're dating with intention, you're letting everybody know, listen, here's where I am, here's what I'm doing. Very, very important. As a man, I encourage any single man mm-hmm. to, if you really wanna get become successful in life, and success to me is nothing to do with what happens in the world. Success is to me peace. The
1: inner world. It's the inner
0: world. Success Absolutely, is who, who is the person that looks back at you in the mirror? And, and there is where success starts and where it stops. We see a lot of men who have uh, public success, but no personal success. Yeah. And there used to be a time where that was okay. But now, real success starts you know, with who's looking back in the mirror. Mm-hmm. So I would ask any man, if you are finding yourself dating multiple women for multiple women's sake, why? Just stop to ask the question, why are you doing it? And what is the real value that you're getting out of it? Do you find yourself with this insatiable appetite that no one person can ever quench? And as a result, there's no peace within your spirit. Super important. The second part of that is that if you find yourself saying, hey, you know what? I am gonna get more disciplined here, but I still want to explore. Okay, explore with intention. Let the woman know what your intentions are, so then they, as an adult, Mm -hmm. can make the decision if they want to engage with you. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is what real uh, honesty and transparency looks like. Now, for a woman, if you're dating a man, you've gotta get out of the gray area you got to get out of the gray area. It's and what does and this possible, mean? Right? <laughs> That's right. But that gray area is the area where if you are most liable. Because in a relationship sense, the one who has the knowledge, the most knowledge, has the most power. And a lot of times, men have more power because they know what they're really serious about and what they're not. And the woman that they're dealing with does not know. That's a gray area. He may text you all the time. He may talk to you all the time. You may go out on a date. You may have met his parents. But never has he told you we're together. Right. Or and, he's
1: thinking about deep. Commitment. That's right. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so for a woman in that situation, she's in a gray area. Mm-hmm. And I encourage her in the book, you got to get out of the gray. you got to ask clear, direct questions, wait for clear, direct answers so that the man that you're dealing with, you get a sense of, are you are you dating anyone else? Are we committed? Are we exclusive? What are your plans? Where are you going? Don't be afraid to ask the questions because so often when women come to me for advice, they're afraid. Well, what if I ask him these questions? and he leaves. Well, he was going to leave anyway. That's good. That's great. Right. The that's more, great. The more, I mean, here's the thing. I've I've
1: dated women in the past who, they're almost so honest in the beginning. It's like, oh my gosh, you're like pushing me away because I'm like, this is not where I'm at in my life. Like, you're talking about kids in the first five minutes. I'm like, <laughs> I just want to have fun right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But then there's other women who are that honest where you're like, wow, I'm actually really interested in you. I'm this is kind of scary that you're so honest. Yeah, but I'm gonna like keep exploring because I yeah. like you and I'm that interested in you and I want to sure. learn more. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I think the more honest you are in the beginning, maybe you don't have to say in five, mi- five minutes, I want to have five kids. <laughs> but I think almost the more truthful you can be earlier on, yeah. the better, because you can start to eliminate those people or know exactly where they're gonna be at. Well,
0: yeah, you you get a better sense of what's what, and I also encourage women. I, I you know I say listen, um, uh, have an observation period in dating.
1: Mm, what's that
0: mean? Meaning, don't just rush into when you're dating somebody telling this particular man all of the stuff you want, all that like you don't even know if you're gonna like this person. Right. And sometimes it's like just on that, like you said on that first date, they're like telling, oh, here's what I want to do. Da, da, da. No, 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 no. Chill. Yeah. Observe. Yeah. See if this man is even worthy of knowing what you think. Mm. See if this man is even worthy of knowing your plans, and what you, how you see your future. How will you know if he's worthy of knowing? Because you're gonna spend time, you're gonna evaluate, you're gonna see who he is, and this is why, listen, I know in this modern world what I'm getting ready to say is just uncommon, but I don't care, Let's hear it. I'm gonna say it. <laughs> this, is why, this is why it's so important as long, I'd say in this book, like I believe it's important to wait until marriage for sex, but most people aren't gonna do that. I say in this book, at least wait until you're in a trusted, committing, loving relationship before you have sex. Why? Because when you have sex with someone mm-hmm. and you do not know them and you do not trust them, it becomes hard to really get clear on who they are and what they're about. So important. So as a woman, I'm like, listen. If I was a woman and I was dating, oh, you ain't getting none from me. Why? Because I don't know you. I was at I was at a Facebook um, uh, on the book tour, and uh, this woman asked me a question, and during our Q and A. And so I said this to her, man, and she said, she was asking me a question about sex and whatnot. And I said, okay, I said, so let me just give you an analogy. Let me, okay, how many women in the audience after a month of dating a guy, would you give them the code to your phone? Hmm. The code to your passcode. Yeah, and and most of them said, oh no, no, there's no way. Are you kidding me? I said, okay, now listen, I'm not trying to get in your business, I'm not gonna judge you. I said, but in that same period of time, in previous relationships, how many of you in that same period of time have already given him your body? Mm, 90%. I mean, so if if, if you don't trust him enough to give him the code to your phone, why would you give him your body? Wow. So this is when, you know, when you don't give a man your body, right, it gives you a better opportunity to observe and evaluate, what does he really want? Is he even really interested potentially in who I am, what I think, or is he just interested in what my body can give him? Mm That's what I say about an observation period, so that you can really see who this man is, what he's about, and really where he's going. Yeah. And I believe that women have a lot more power in dating uh, than they realize, oh. but a lot of times they give so it away. So much power. But they give it away. They give it Quickly. away to men. You know, like, oh, oh yo, and it's like, no, no, hold on to that power. Evaluate. Make decisions. Even, don't, even if you want to be in a relationship super bad, don't allow mm. your flesh and your desire to then make you so desperate that you lower your standard to the degree where you're allowing men entry into your life that really are not qualified for sex.
1: What if uh, the woman just wants to have fun and they're not looking for a committed mm-hmm. relationship either? Then,
0: you know what? Listen, uh, co- listen. I'm not going to judge what consenting adults want to do. If that's her point of view, that's her point of view. Yeah. You know, and that just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and at a, at a certain point, you know, when she's doing the same thing and, want, and wants a different result, it'll right, require right. looking at what she's doing to get the result. Gotcha. Same for any man. Exactly. You know, when any man gets to a place where he's like, you know, I keep doing the same thing, I get a different result. Maybe I have to change what I'm doing. Yeah, That's I might okay. be having fun, but I feel soulless
1: inside or yeah. I feel like I'm not having true yeah. intimacy or...
0: Not, yeah, exactly.
1: In this section, we have Dr. Shafali who breaks down how to make sure you're not in the wrong type of relationship and then dives into the conversations you should be having with a partner to know if it's going to last or not. And Dr. Shafali is all about breaking through old conventional ways of dating, so I really think you'll enjoy this.
2: If we're in need for love and worth, and we're constantly saying, do you see me, do you love me, do you know me, do you validate me, do I have permission to exist, then that is the fuel for all our behavior. So we can't see. We're hungry. Mm. When you're hungry, you know how cranky you are. Mm -hmm. You can't really think straight. Your brain is fogged up. Our brain is fogged up with unworthiness. We can't see straight. So the first thing we have to do is understand unworthiness is fueling it, not real love. That's a hard lesson. Oh, man. Yes. Need, not love. I tell so many couples, you need her. I don't know whether you love her yet. And they're like, yes, I do. I, like, when, when, someone, when
1: someone when is feeling that in a relationship, they need to feel worthy by this person or they need to feel worthy in a relationship in general. Right. Or what does that look like?
2: Well, there's love in I know
1: I know my pattern of yeah. stuff of, of, in previous relationships of... Uh, feeling the need for someone to love me and accept me we for who all I have was. This need. That's
2: why we get into relationships. Right. That's why we become parents. And we don't want to acknowledge that it's coming from an inner whole, H-O-L-E, a void. We don't want to own this about us, right? We're like, no, I love my child unconditionally. That's why I want him to, you know, play soccer and ski. Do what and I wanted to do. <laughs> do all the things that, oh, it just happens to be all the things I want. Oh, this is why I'm in the relationship. And the way we know that it's need and attachment and not love and unconditionality is how much we want to control them, how much we want to possess them. Ooh. It's attached. All that smells of need and attachment because true transcendent love, true intimacy, very hard to achieve because it requires two whole people.
1: Trusting fully and... Who
2: are in their own sovereignty. Yes, yes. Who don't need. Very rare. That kind of Achievement, that kind of aspiration cannot occur unless you do the work oh. and you heal. So most of us who haven't healed are in need and attachment, control-based relationships. Sorry, I'm sorry. How I'm sorry many, to everybody. How many people
1: are in control-based Relationships.
2: Almost every relationship really? I know, yes. What are they, and every what parenting the, relationship I know is it, it, it control, need, and attachment and possession. What does it look
1: like for most people? What's the common ways of control and need and attachment? Okay, in an constant intimate relationship? repetition
2: of drama where the cycle just can't break. Yeah. Um, you know, not a mutual honoring of each one's absolute freedom.
1: The boundaries or freedoms or...
2: Yeah, and and honoring each other and true articulation of one's Mm. needs. Who knows how to articulate their needs? Nobody. And allow the other to be heard and seen and to be seen honestly and authentically. That's intimacy. So we think we're in intimate relationships, but we're just in functional transactional dynamics.
1: What if someone's... Authentic about their need, and their need is well. I need you to. I don't know. Uh, check in with me multiple times throughout the day, so I know where you hey, are. that's and not being
2: authentic. Should I tell you how? To- isn't that
1: an authentic need if someone's? No,
2: the this is the authentic need. Tell me. Okay, so the person says, "I authentically need you to check in with me ten thousand times a day." Right <laughs> now, here's the thing. That's not an authentic need. Here's the need. I have such low sense of worth, and I'm in such a panic. I get panic attacks because I have control issues from my past abandonment. Mm. Can you help me in some way by not feeding the need? I don't want you to call me 10,000 times because that'll just feed my monster. But can you help me and be kind with me? Because that's my need. My need is for ultimate supreme safety, but I know I can't have that. The need is from my childhood. That's what I'm talking about. Wow. I'm not saying I need you to give me 10 massages. <laughs> That's not a need. Right. The need is why do I have the need? It's really why getting to the core so of it's the not So
1: it's not about communicating the need to the other partner. Everyone's
2: good at doing that. It's
1: about <laughs> recognizing why is the need, need there. The real
2: need. The real need.
1: And when you find the root of the need, then, then you, you heal the need. And
2: you release the other person from meeting your need. Gosh. Right?
1: Try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash L-E-W-I-S.
2: So everyone's good a about wire? saying what they <laughs> need, Lewis. I need a Bentley. I need a mansion. Very good at doing that. We have to go to, why are we looking at the other person to fill that need, number one? Where is this need really coming from? Mm-hmm. That's the real need.
1: But won't, I mean, I don't want to generalize this, but won't you hear a lot of women say, well, I need to Him know too. I can trust my man, right. that he he makes me feel safe, he protects me, He'll that well. I know where he's at, that he yeah. lets me check his phone, that I can know where, it, you know, where right. he's, when he's going somewhere or where, we see, like, it, right. isn't that a common theme, theme for yes, women? Yes,
2: yes. What, is that, what part, happens when a
1: woman does that?
2: Right? <laughs> when the woman does that, it means she's completely an inner child believing that she needs those things from a man. She doesn't need that. Because if she has need, For that, she's going to be dependent on his every move and looking at him like she's a detective and he's under the microscope. And that means she's enslaving herself to him and giving him her power. When we want to control the other, we think we're getting control. We are getting enslavement to the other.
1: Oh my goodness. What is the common common fear insecurity that women have when they're in a relationship and that men have when they're in relationships. Is it safety and protection? Can we
2: just say that the way men and women are relating in relationships is based on conventional possession, control, and ownership. Both parties. So it's already messed up. (laughs) Okay. Now, within the messed up matrix, Uh you want to ask what are the most common insecurities?
1: Yeah, what's the main insecurity for men in general? Is it... I don't know that they're going to cheat on... Possession.
2: Both is possession. Really? Both is control in some way. Really? Now, you'll say, but isn't there a real need for one to find the money and the other to cook the food? Sure. But, you know... What's the core
1: need? What's the root need? Possession is what they're... control and possession?
2: We've been told that relationships, especially marriage, means that the other one betrothes themselves to you, like gives themselves to you for keeping right and you put the ring like you know and you're noose. mine and yeah. i own you and i own you and you give the woman a big diamond ring so everyone around can see that she's owned i have never won a ring one day of my, of my life because i have no desire to let the world know i'm owned
1: so what about women who are like you know what i love my partner i want to be their partner i want to wear sure. this to show a symbol of my Commitment and yeah, but then we would wear.
2: We do it on this finger. We do that finger. It doesn't have to be a diamond. We follow convention Mm -hmm. because this is what society says. He didn't give you a diamond ring. Or the bigger the ring, the more the love. You know, mm. we know. It's and then
1: comparison—it's like it's not. Yes. oh, you can have many Sally symbols gave, of love. Sally got a bigger ring, so maybe his. There are many husband. symbols
2: of love. It's funny that we all have the same symbol, right? So mm-hmm. it's not creative anymore. It's not spontaneous. Every relationship should have its own symbol. How can we all want the diamond ring as the symbol, right? Yeah. <laughs> because it's convention. We're conditioned. Mm. We have to own how we've been conditioned for these things. The diamond industry. Is so happy with super us, happy, right? Yeah. They're like, yeah, we really told them that these little pebbles mean something, and they all bought into it, and they all make their partners buy them. And if they don't buy it, it's a sort of betrayal. The industry is making whopping profit over our buying into this. Yeah,
1: being brainwashed. And this is
2: just one way we've been brainwashed. We've been brainwashed in every way because it's a consumer society.
1: What what should be. Three questions that say someone's starting to date someone. They're six yes. months, three months yes. in, six months in, yes. and, th- and things I are love it. moving along.
2: I have the questions.
1: And you want to ask three questions yes. to determine if this relationship has a, the chance yes. of being. Um, you know, Gross. powerful, growth-minded, yes. uh, acceptance, yes. not controlling. What, yes. what would those three questions be?
2: Well, you know, you first want to know how much inner work the person has done. <laughs> you want to talk to that therapist. Mm. You want to see the appointments. You want to know how long they've been doing this. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. You, you'll get a sense of their consciousness quotient. Okay, yeah, That yeah. is number one. Yes, You have to see how integrated is this person from their childhood to their adulthood? Have they worked on their wounds?
1: Here's the challenge everyone shows the best version of themselves in the first year. It's such a
2: false. And they act
1: like they've done this in general, right? <laughs>
2: right?
1: So how do you truly know when everyone's on their best so behavior? So you don't
2: and, move in? Oh, don't move in. You want to
1: hang out with that guy or that girl? <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. I did it with You, know, you it's don't like,
2: get so excited in that first year. You know that mm-hmm. each one is trying to present the false self. So don't you know that? So right. don't give in for the first year. You know right. it takes time. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't be jumping to the altar right away, right? Yeah. So number one is what is the consciousness quotient Mm -hmm. and then i would you know i'm a little unconventional so i will not find anyone probably but it's (laughs) because they'll fail my questions so i would ask them about their beliefs about you know all the stereotypical institutions and i have done so much work deconstructing cultural lies that i want to be with someone who has deconstructed the bullshit. So I think otherwise,
1: you're fighting against values, beliefs, yes. ideas. Then it, then
2: it becomes a schism of basic values, you know. And the more work we do, you know, the more I, you know, you deconstruct what the bullshit is. You can't be with someone who's you're, bought into the bullshit. You're you know? distancing
1: more and more Correct. your beliefs. So
2: I think consciousness quotient, which is healing from childhood, and then the cultural BS radar, you know, how yep. good is their BS radar. And then the last thing would be you know, just how present they are. Are they worthy of their own love? Are they whole? You know, that's all connected to the first two, but it then shows up in that person because they're present. They're, they're radiant. They're joyous. They're liberated. You know, you can see liberated people because yeah. they don't need anything from you right? because they're whole.
1: They're not expecting anything. Not they don't ex- need they don't something to you. feel good. They don't judge they you. They are good.
2: And they're bursting with that. Yeah. So you feel it. That's true chemistry, right? You want to be attracted to the essence of the person, <clears throat> not to their sports car or their, their bank know, account or the thing. way they look. Right, or. because that's going to end. That's transient. Consciousness lasts. You're living with the person's consciousness. You're living with the person's inner demons. Because after the first two years, when the cars <laughs> are old, you been in more, yeah. and you've done that. You travel
1: the world, you've done, yeah.
2: Now you're living with the inner child. Do you like the inner child? That's what we go like, whoa. And your inner child comes out. So does your inner child know how to play with their inner child? (laughs) And that's when you say the bubble bursts. But it's no one's fault. It's because we both presented with the bubble.
1: So now we're in a... Don't
2: fall in love until two years are up. Then fall in love.
1: What if people I are know. like, this is amazing, this is something!" It's exciting. not amazing, and, oh, it's, it's the
2: illusion. Oh. Wait, I used to have a client who used to get so upset with me. She was like, before you burst my bubble, she always knew I'm going to burst her bubble. Because this is what the ego does. It presents the best self. You think you're falling in love. Even the idea of falling in love, thats you don't want to fall. You should right. not be falling. Right, right. You should rise, be standing, rise, should be standing yeah, yeah. solid. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that we fall is because we are falling for the illusion. Mm. You know, And then we're upset in two years that another relationship didn't work out Jeez. because it was the, the false self, the survivor, Ooh. who was holding on. And after some time, the survivor stops, the ego breaks down, and now you see each other's raw self behind the prison wall, and you're both convicts looking for the other to rescue them i call them twin beggars give me give me give me give me you're and not giving like, me enough you know, or our, Yeah. it's never going to be enough wow because we were beggars all along we needed to only dare to enter a relationship after we've been full very hard to do i know so let's beg away. how does a 23 year old she doesn't get full after. She goes through the, the, the pain and the pain, like we all have gone through, heartache after heartache, blaming the other, yeah. crying to our girlfriends.
1: He didn't do this. She didn't she do didn't, that. And
2: then the, everyone commiserates and go, yeah, he was really terrible. He, he was, was terrible. horrible. He was horrible. Yeah. Leave him. What a, what a, what a terrible bad man. Bad man. Yeah.
1: A bad girl.
2: Right. We're bad, good. Good, bad. You know, we don't realize it's just inner child to inner child. Trauma to trauma. Beggar to beggar.
1: What happens when two people who have truly healed their traumas, I mean done the years of work, yeah. they're not expecting, they're yeah. not holding grudges, they're yeah. not resentful, they're not needing something. Yeah. What happens when those two type of people get together?
2: I, th- I think there's such a thing as a beautiful intimacy. You know, I talk about intimacy where you truly can see the other person but as their own being mm. and you don't need anything from them. You don't need them to be a certain way. And they know and you know that it's a journey. So we walk together for some sunsets and Mm. maybe others we don't. And each is okay with that. We'll be sad if the other one walks away, but not devastated or broken. See, we sometimes think to be broken is to have really loved if they left. Similarly, when our kids go off to school or college, if we don't cry, that means I didn't really love my kid. Mm. We have this weird romance around crying a lot or pain or brokenness. That means we really loved. No, love is freedom. So we need to be happy for the other person when they go to their other lover.
1: That's big. That's big, right?
2: But if you truly loved that other person, then how is it about you? Mm. It's what that what makes that person happy. Very hard. Because culture has raised us with possession and monogamy as the main goal. So anyone who deviates from that is a freaking cheater and we know what we call cheaters you know
5: Mm.
1: (laughs) yeah it's interesting i'm just listening to you and thinking about my my life and my journey and i've and i've always i'm no way am i a perfect human being but i've always wanted the best when relationships didn't work out and a lot of them didn't work out well like there was arguing and frustration on both sides me included but then i was like okay we're not working out and I've always wanted them. I like. I hope they find someone that's a better fit for them. I've never felt like the girls ever want me to be happy and afterwards. Like, he needs to go down. He did this to me. He ruined yes. my life. He did, yeah, it's like yes. I've never felt like ever anyone ever wanted the best for me. And it's, but you
2: can't blame us because we've been conditioned. That when a relationship ends, it means the others to blame and there's it's, been a betrayal. It's
1: their fault. Right, and betrayal.
2: Yeah. You know, we fully bought into this idea of betrayal. And I don't believe in betrayal. I believe we only betray ourselves. Ooh. You know?
1: What does that mean? What does that mean?
2: It means that when we enter a relationship without understanding that we are going to be with the other person's inner child. Yes. We betray ourselves. We, th- we want daddy or we want Prince Charming, or we want Mr. Perfect, or Miss Perfect, you can be in a same-sex relationship, and we put on the other the expectation that they will be there for us in the way we need.
1: They'll be our savior, our hero, our, fixer, our knight, right. or whatever. Of
2: course, we all want that. That's lovely. But that was the job of mommy, not another human being.
1: Our parents are supposed to be right. there to and help they us they could grow. barely
2: do it. Right. <laughs> right. So how is this person going to do it? But we put on them this unconscious expectation and burden. When they don't fulfill it, instead of wishing them well and going, I get it, I'm an inner child too. I must have been really hard for you to deal with. Or we're both misaligned. You know, our inner children were just fighting in the sandbox. I own my part. Thank you for showing me yours. It's not aligned. I get it. Yeah, we had a season you know? of
1: life. And we yes. learned something, hopefully, yes. and we move and, on. And, you
2: know, and say the guy cheated or the girl cheated. We look at the cheating not as a personal betrayal, but as it's a message. Yeah, okay. We're not He wasn't supposed to be with me that night. He felt like he needed to be somewhere else. He's following his soul. Mm-hmm. But she's like, oh, but he lied to me. Of course he lied to you because he knew you'd react like this. And now, look, you're not broken up, right, right? right? No one ever says, where were you last night, honey? You can tell me and mean it, right? Every guy knows they'll never say <laughs> where you are. they don't mean it. Right. The woman right. will kill you. We are raised in a conventional idea around man and woman. It's changing now, you know, mm-hmm. with all the gender fluidity and uh, all the... Uh, Ownership of of rights for all kinds Mm of uh, affiliations. We're changing the paradigm. But still at the core is this paradigm that there's an ownership between the two. And that is the dysfunction. It's toxic. We all want to own everybody. We all wish that the world was our puppet. Of course. Why do we have that? Because it's a childish desire to have control. You know, I, I want you to say exactly what I want because then I'll feel competent and in control.
1: Really? Yeah. And what does control, what does needing control mean? We need to feel yes, safe. We need yes. to feel protected. Child,
2: child stuff. Just, get, I want to be secure. Mommy's going to come in at every, you know, hour right. to check in on me. I want predictability. So the greater the kid or teenager didn't have predictability, <laughs> they're going to go reactive. Either they're going yeah. to, to silence that through an addiction or mm. they're going to go into mass control. Either through Man. mass achievement or mass control. Obsession of the other person.
1: I feel like I've done all those things yeah, in my you've done past. Everything, you mass mass control, mass, mass m- possession. Manipulation, sure. anger, resentment, don't do this, control, all these things. Because especially in your 20s. you wanted
2: to make sure you would not be that helpless little boy. Absolutely. Who didn't have predictability, but you didn't know you were doing it because of that. I had no idea. It was yeah, so unconscious. Knows. Yes, nobody knows.
1: So unconscious for so many years. Nobody it knows. wasn't knows. until I was 30 when I started to really realize, oh, the... A lot of the trauma I haven't even talked about because I've been so shameful of, and just the process of talking about it allowed me to heal an element of certain things, but not everything.
2: Yes. We have to talk to a trusted
1: or
2: or a therapist. You must talk because talking allows you to hear your own narrative, and then somebody or you can both go, oh, my God, I said the same thing as my mother. Oh, my goodness, at 7 I felt this. At 11 I felt this you have to narrate your life. That's why it's called a narrative because mm. you have to create a consistent narrative to integrate your life experiences. So people, poo-poo therapy perhaps or think they don't have the time, well, you I know. I think it's
1: some of the greatest time you can spend for yourself. Yes. For your inner peace, for awareness, for greater levels of love for yourself and compassion for others. Yeah. I don't think I'd be a as compassionate, understanding. And again, I'm not always compassionate and understanding, but I don't think I would be have the levels of intimacy and connection and love to myself or others without on and off therapy, coaching, workshops, emotional intelligence training, like all of it. In this part, we have Stefan Speaks, who shares how both men and women can learn to communicate and understand each other's thoughts and emotions better to continue to thrive in a relationship. What is the biggest problem that you see today that women face that are holding them back from staying in a healthy relationship? And what's the biggest problem that men are faced with and them being happy
5: with their partner if they're in a relationship? So I, I always talk about healing. And I do believe that healing is the number one biggest issue. But I want to take a different angle here. I think that another huge issue that both men and women are facing from women's standpoint is really understanding that men are different in how we think, how how we uh, behave, how we're overall wired. And the same thing goes for women, I mean for men. So, essentially men lacking an understanding of the emotional state or the emotional Mm -hmm. side of women and not knowing how to tap into that or navigate through that. Whereas she also struggles with trying to navigate through his logical side Mm -hmm. and how he goes about things. And that disconnect because both sides are expecting the other to understand them where they are, all right. And they're not trying to understand the other person. And so we we get caught up in our own feelings, our own perceptions of things, Mm -hmm. and that creates this huge fight, this huge battle, rather than really learning how the other side operates.
1: This is gonna be an oversimplified question, a response that you have, um, because each person is unique. Mm -hmm. But I want you to fill in the blank. If a woman understood X about a man, they would be happy
5: in their relationship. The simplicity of a man they would be happy. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I a think, woman understood the simplicity
1: of a man, yes. they would be happy in their relationship. Yes. They would they have would less happier. stress, they would have less arguments, they yes. would have less pain, suffering. Yes. Because what does it mean
5: to be the simplicity of a man? So there's a few things. One, a lot of women overthinking, overanalyzing their relationships. And so a simple example I gave in one of my videos is like, let's say a guy says, she said, ask the man, what do you want for your, his, your birthday? And he says, listen, just let's just watch a movie together, have some pizza, drink some liquor, I'm good. Have some sex, that's all I need for the night. And the woman thinks, let me get him a wallet. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, I didn't ask for that. <laughs> exactly, like it's so simple. He's telling you exactly what he wants. The words coming out of his mouth are it's what he means. The problem is so many women have been conditioned to dealing with liars and manipulators. Mm. Dealing with men who are playing games that when they are with a good man who's being forthcoming and honest they don't know how to take that. And also because women are very they're in the details, all right. So, they they are going to see what you need they're going to analyze and say okay, I can get this for him. they They're more thoughtful in their approach, they go deeper which is why they become so frustrated with us because we don't when we don't understand that when they said I'm okay that they really weren't okay that bothers them. When they told us we don't want anything for Valentine's Day but they really wanted something and we didn't get that that bothers them because it's like why aren't we looking deeper? Why aren't we learning them and being more in tune with them because that's how they are with us. Mm. And so again, it's a disconnect of we operate very differently but if they would just understand we're very simple. And the man who wants to be with you, who wants to love you is being very plain and clear if you would just honor and accept that it would make things so much easier.
1: And if a man knew X about a woman they would have a happy life.
5: I, I'm, I, what's the right word? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it really goes back to understand that her emotions... I'm trying to find the right way to phrase this but it's really understanding the emotional side of the woman. And what I mean by that is again, if you're with a woman let's say you guys are walking down the street and she says I don't feel safe right now, all right. To a man we may analyze this the, the area and say well, there's nothing of danger here. What's your problem? You're crazy. No, don't do that. If she says I don't feel safe you have to understand how she feels. That's her emotion right now and her emotion is reality to her. Mm -hmm. She may not be able to explain it it may be something within her, within her spirit. But as men we make a mistake of dismissing it because it doesn't line up with our logic. And now it's you're crazy, you're this, you're that rather than no. Try to understand she's feeling like this for a reason. And even if we can't always explain it honor it. Mm. Now, the man's concern is well, now she can manipulate you and play you because even when it doesn't make any sense she can say I feel this way. But if you're with a good woman and she's been good to you in every other way why question that she's Mm -hmm. playing games now? Mm -hmm. Give her the benefit of the doubt. So, I think if we would just learn to embrace what what her emotions are at the moment, we would be able to have more peace. Because again, a lot of fights come from you're trying to force your logic onto her. She's trying to tell you how she mm, feels right now. Right. And it's like this. No, meet her where she's feeling right now. Acknowledge that. Say, okay, you know what? I understand it. Let's handle it from that perspective. Why is it so hard for... for let's
1: talk about men in this situation, to acknowledge someone's feelings. When in the man's mind, you you might be acting crazy. These feelings are irrational. Why would I acknowledge irrational feelings when there's nothing to be afraid of in this moment? If that's what a man is feeling. Mm-hmm. How do they get out of that space and say, okay, this is irrational. In my mind, maybe this is seem crazy because I don't feel this personally. How does a man learn to connect on that level so that they feel safe in that moment, even
5: if it is irrational. So three things. It's it's gonna be awareness. Why did I just lose my train of thought for the second one? <laughs> awareness, <laughs> the, yep. Awareness, I'm missing the second one, and then communication at times when things aren't chaotic. Mm-hmm. All right. So the problem is you you can't be trying to have this full deep discussion at this if you feel like she's being irrational, if you feel like this is not making any sense. Now, you're trying to have this deeper discussion that maybe she's not ready to have at the moment, all right. She's feeling all over the place who knows what's triggering her right now. Wait till things are calm Mm. and now let's revisit what happened the other day. Don't fix it when it's not, when it's chaotic. Exactly, it's almost like you know sometimes a woman doesn't want you to fix it she wants you to listen and acknowledge how she feels. And so, we can talk about, we can revisit it at a different time, but in that time she needs you to embrace where she's at emotionally. What if the man's just like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> you're making no
1: sense right now. What it you're saying is irrational. Maybe it's illogical, it's crazy. None of it makes sense. How do they wrap their heads around the madness of the emotion that is not real to them?
5: It it really is a, this is, oh, it's about practice. So that was the second. Awareness, practice, practice communication. So the practicing of it is just simply understanding listen, it doesn't always have to make sense. Mm. All right. What does it hurt you in that moment to just be more compassionate and considerate of how she's feeling, even if it doesn't line up with your logic right then? You know what I'm saying and again we can revisit this and use it as a a moment to now learn more about each other but right now is not the time. So,
1: the next so tomorrow three days later we can say hey listen you know that time when we were walking down the street and you were afraid
5: nothing was around can we talk about that? Exactly, exactly and now we can gain better understanding because at that moment it may be easier for her to articulate it but in the moment of her emotions running all over the place it's going to be hard for her to get it out clearly. Not because she's trying to be difficult, it's just she's she's feeling all over the place. It's just hard. It's like think about a child and I'm not trying to reduce women to children, but think about a child being in their frantic moment, something happening to them. And you're saying, tell me what's wrong? They can't tell you. They're, but uh, uh, it's hard for them to say yeah. it. But once they're calmed down and at a better place, they can. Absolutely. So we just have to be, we got to be patient as well. We got to be patient with each other and give grace. We're going to have moments where, yeah, it it may not make sense. But again, overall, if you're with a good woman, Mm -hmm. why act like she must be, she's being difficult or evil right now?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) You know? There's a lot of good women, speaking of good women, there's a lot of good women out there that are are friends of mine who are single. Mm -hmm. And they've been single for years. I'm thinking of a few of them specifically in my mind. So I'm going to speak to these women's Uh, Archetype because I think there's a lot of women like this out there. They've been single for They haven't been in a they've been dating, but they haven't been in a committed long-term relationship for a while Good women they make their own money. They're independent. They're kind. They're compassionate. They're loving they're, They've got their own vision But they're struggling in finding the right guy who will commit What do you think is missing from those women? Or is this a timing thing? Maybe it's like, hey, you've been trying this for eight, 10 years and you haven't found someone. Maybe it's still timing. Maybe they they haven't showed up in your life yet. But if they're going on dates, they're doing these things and they still haven't been able to find a partner that feels like a good match, the right match. What's missing from them? Or is nothing missing?
5: It's hard to say because, you know, without knowing them individually, the the issues can vary. You know, I'll tell you what I've seen as common yes. barriers for women. One of the most common, and they may not like hearing this, but one of the most common is a lacking of being in touch with their feminine side. Uh huh. And, and that that only really plays a huge role, dependent on the type of man they desire. If they desire a very masculine man, man who has his stuff together, a, a guy who can be a leader, at least has those qualities then not being in your family is going to work against you. You're going to come across more difficult, you're not going to come across as someone that's peaceful. And again, I think every man, every man who has stuff going on for himself can say what he needs almost most importantly or at least top of the, near the top is peace every man needs peace. Oh, man, I've been saying that my whole life. (laughs) You know? Peace. And so, if he does not view you in that way because again, you project more masculine energy, you project more resistance, more of a difficult nature, he's not going to... You could be the most beautiful, amazing woman, it's like... And he may want to sleep with you, but he's not going to want to take you serious or marry you. So, that can be one problem. Another thing can be timing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lot of times is you, you, we have to understand everything that doesn't happen tomorrow. There is a process to this, but in that timing, what's important is that you don't drag on with the wrong men. Yes, a lot of women reduce their time or reduce their window of opportunity, staying with the wrong guys, staying uh, dating even the wrong guys. So it doesn't have to be a committed, a committed relationship. It could just be you're dating and getting to know each other, but you knew after a couple of days that he wasn't it and yet you're still letting it continue. And what, and even though you're not fully committed in this relationship as an official boyfriend girlfriend, you're emotionally invested. Eek. And your ability to now be available to someone else is severely hindered. So, you're not going to be able to meet that great guy or that great guy may come across you here that you're dating this guy and say, I'm not even going to bother with that. Yeah, And so that hurts you. So be, timing is it, but you have to make sure you're leaving yourself available.
1: Here's a question. Do we stay in relationships longer when we haven't fully healed the past? Hell yes. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll probably raise my hand here for pretty much every past relationship where I have known at different levels, like something's not right. Something's off. Okay, let's work on it. Let's try to make it work. Still things are off. It's like you have a knowing inside, and sometimes you try to force it to make it work. And I'm as, as one to blame as anyone here. And what I realized is like, oh, I haven't fully healed certain things and it's why I've stayed in the past in relationships much longer than I probably should have. Mm-hmm. But I was afraid. I was afraid of hurting someone, I was afraid of hurting myself, I was afraid of whatever. Yeah. And when I started to learn that like, this is something you talked about over and over that the healing process is, is the key process to build a foundation for the potential for a great relationship, for something to flourish. Yes. You want to have, you know, the dream is to have a rainforest of an environment in your relationship where things can grow, things can flourish. There's green trees around you. There's waterfalls, not an environment of a desert where things go to die in the relationship. Yes. And I don't think we can truly allow things to grow if we don't learn to heal. And that's something that you taught me years ago and you teach so many people around the world this. But if people
5: don't even think they need to heal something, how do they do it? They can't. There's there's no way you can't overcome an obstacle you don't believe exists. Right. You know? It's like, it's, I'm fine, I got this, nah, I've dealt with this stuff in the past. Like that was me. Exactly. And and so the problem is most people don't heal until they hit a wall. Yeah. Until something, you know, knocks them on their behind. And now they have to to see things differently and accept the issues that they've been holding on to. Um, but also I think the, the the problem for a lot of individuals is they're not healed and they're in environments with people who haven't healed either. And now those unhealed people are going to validate your issues, um, they're going to validate your your unwillingness to face those things. This is so hard because
1: whatever, guy friends, girlfriends, whoever you are and you lean on people and say this person did this and they validate you, and you say leave them Mm -hmm. they're no good for you you deserve better you don't deserve that they shouldn't be doing this right they start Mm -hmm. to validate to be on your side but they're not healed either if they are coming from that place maybe they're correct on certain things Mm -hmm. but it's learning how to communicate to your friends in a healthier way probably also
5: well but i think yes because a lot of people they tell their friends the bad and they don't always tell them the good. So, the friends have a very skewed perception of the relationship or whatever situation that you're facing. But we also have to be aware enough to understand who we're seeking guidance from. (laughs) Like, I, I, I may speak to my friends because I need to, uh, uh, to vent at the moment or I want some feedback. But I'm fully aware that they are not the end-all be-all to this that they may be speaking from their own hurt place. I still can filter their perspective through the understanding of they're not, they're not healed enough to give me full proper great guidance, all right. But they might give a perspective that I needed to look at and that's right. why I will still talk to them because I want to hear different perspectives. I want to make sure I'm not missing any blind spots here, all right? So, it's good to talk to different people but only if you understand how to not just take them as, oh, well, my friend said this so this is it. No, your friend may be broken too and they're going <laughs> to lead you down an even more broken path.
1: Exactly. So, the, conversa- the, the, the conversations you have with some people, they're not healed and they're not helping you fully Uh, Because they're validating
5: something that you don't need to hear necessarily. Maybe some of it is right, but not all of it. And not not to mention, it, it can happen in other ways as far as like, I've seen people where the friend was in a toxic relationship that they were unwilling to leave. So, now when their other friend came to them about their toxic relationship is oh, you know, give them a chance, oh, you know, mm-hmm. cheating happens in every relationship. They'll come up with all these validations to stay because they can't look themselves in the mirror and tell themselves to walk away. So, how are they going to tell you to do it? Sorry. All right. Now, some people can do that. Some people can still tell you opposite of what they're going to actually can uh, are willing to do but a lot of people unconsciously or subconsciously are trying to validate how they would handle things Mm -hmm. or how they have handled things, all right. So, if it's I would leave because someone called me out there on my name one time then I have to tell you that you got to leave for that reason. I can't tell you to be considerate of well, maybe it was a mistake maybe this can be fixed. Oh, no, 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 because I drew that line you need to draw that line. A lot of people don't understand how to give that unbiased advice. So that's why you have to be very careful Absolutely. going to friends and family. Healing is, again, a lot of
1: clarity comes through healing. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to see things differently in a relationship if you are from a healed place. I think a lot of us, myself included, has stayed in relationships longer um, than necessary because we haven't healed something yet, and that's why we stayed in them.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: So would you say that people who have healed and addressed the past, the traumas of the past, the pains of the past, are much quicker to get out of a dating situation when they realize, oh, this isn't for me. Like, I thought it was going to work out, but I don't need to keep trying for months and years to try to make it work. it's not working,
5: I'm willing to walk away. Would you say people healed are able to do that better? Absolutely. Yeah. Basically, the more healed you become or when you have become healed, your willingness or ability to tolerate toxic energy is diminished. You don't know how to operate or how to stay in those environments any longer because now you see things so much clearer. It's almost like if you were to detox your body and start to eat healthy now you go back to eating some fast food and it will destroy your stomach. So, your willingness to eat that bad food is no longer there or at least it's diminished because now your body knows what healthy feels like, all right. So, emotionally once you get to a healthy place and you know what healthy is you can't tolerate dysfunction as much anymore. You can't tolerate someone who does not want to face their issues. You know, it reminds me right now real quick of even when it comes to business or you know what, even when it comes to fitness. A lot of people once they've achieved great success or once they've achieved uh, getting that body they always wanted, they look at those who do not have differently. Before, they may have been in that pool of people that said my circumstances, there's nothing I can do, it's too hard. But once you've achieved it and you knew what work it took to get there, now, it's like no, you're just unwilling. Mm-hmm. You, don't have, you don't have enough desire to push past the obstacles to get the results you're looking for. And so again, when you become healthy, your willingness to tolerate this person just can't get past their issues. It's like no, because I got past mine. Right. <laughs> I know right, what it right. takes. I know you can get there if you're willing, but so many are not willing. Let's say you're, you got in a relationship,
1: uh, you got married, you've been committed for a while, and you, neither of you have healed, but then one of you decides, you know what, this isn't working, I gotta heal the pain from the past. They go on that journey, they get relief, they find peace in their heart, they're not triggered, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they've started and have continually been on the healing process, but the other person continues to be in their own traumatic past yeah. experiences. What if they're not willing to heal? Would you recommend, like, is that relationship be able to work still? Are you able to find ways to say, well, we still love each other and we have a lot of uh, chemistry and connection most of the time. What would you say about that? If the other person's unwilling
5: to heal? I hate to say this, but I have to be honest, all right? I can never encourage someone to remain in a toxic situation, Mm -hmm. all right? I do think that we can take an approach that says let's see if we can work this out, let's give them a little bit of grace here. And the main thing is can we achieve progress, all right. Rome isn't built in a day and if we've been behaving or we've been tolerating this dysfunction for so many years, we can't expect it to be perfect tomorrow. But are you willing to at least start to walk on that path Mm. and make progress? Though I don't want to encourage divorce I don't, I cannot feel comfortable telling people to stay trapped in a marriage with someone who doesn't want to face their issues. Right. If you have freed yourself from that, you have healed, they've got to be willing to make a move. And here's the problem, people, people are afraid to heal or people are afraid to face the issues that requires them to heal, all right. Because you have to... It's like I I remember a quote I'm probably saying it wrong. To heal you have to face the pain or you have to dive into the pain something like that, all right. So, people understand it's painful to go and revisit your past. It's painful to let those emotions you've suppressed all these years come back out. And so, now your fear of healing or facing the process of healing is greater than your fear of losing this person, all right. And they think because you're married to them you're not going anywhere. They're stuck for life. Exactly, so for that reason that's not enough incentive to face their fear of facing their issues. Uh-huh. The only thing that may get them to do it is the threat of divorce Wow. It, or is the actual divorce happening? Again, I, it's not that I wanted to get to that point. I hope and pray everyone can avoid that but the reality is some people won't get it together until there's a real consequence on the table and that will be divorce in that situation. So, okay, let's say someone's like, you know what, I feel like I'm good
1: it's never been about me. It's been about everyone else. It's their problems that why the relationship doesn't Hold work Hold on, I got to
5: stop you real quick. Yes. Because this is like hitting my spirit. I got to say me. The other thing to consider is that some people will never change. They will never heal. And the reality is that the person you're with is the wrong person. And the only reason you got with them is because you were broken. Had you not been damaged in the first place, you may not be with this individual. Because you wouldn't have chose someone like this if you were coming from a healed place. Exactly, and if you were healed, you would have been your true self, your true self may not have aligned with this individual. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't um, circumstances where people still end up with the right person when they were both not healed. I do think that's possible to happen but a lot of people I would argue the majority when you... Because I always say if you're not healed you are 99% likely to choose the wrong person. So, I do still strongly believe that the majority of people are with the wrong individual and that's marriage, relationship, whatever. Because that brokenness, that damage... Attracted something else that was broken. Exactly. And allowed you to tolerate it or it allows you to feel safer in that environment. Here's the thing that people don't realize When, when you have not healed if you were to get with a healthy person it would essentially demand of you from the jump to basically heal or step your game up. And again, people are afraid to face their issues. So, to get with another broken person subconsciously uh, it validates me staying broken. It validates me Mm. not having to face my issues because now we all have issues. You see, as long as we all have issues I don't have to face mine. But if you have corrected yours how can I validate my own? Thank you so much for
1: listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend. Leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys, so share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved you are worthy and you matter and now it's time to go out there and do something great
0: sometimes it takes a different approach
3: to help you unlock your true potential with capella university's game-changing flex path learning format you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away